This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. Heaven brings new life and about a new rest and peace that we've never experienced before and shifts us into a new relationship. This morning, we're going to look at what it looks like to have a new relationship because heaven is on earth, because Christ has come, because Emmanuel. You know, we talked about last week a little bit how Christmas is tough. It's difficult. Even, you know, we think through, you know, everybody come together. Let's get together, have uh, dinner on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, and like your whole family gets there, and you're like, whoa, why did we all get together? Yeah, it's like, I don't even think we like each other. It's, uh, it's, it's so interesting on, you know, staff get-togethers and all those different things. Or even friends, like when friends get together, you have this idea of like mutual friends. You, you see somebody and you're like, man, I haven't hung out with that person in 10 years. I don't even think I want to go because I don't want to see them, you know? And But something about Christmas gets us all together because in the midst of all the kind of dreary, especially today. I mean, you look outside, it's pretty rough today. You know, it's just kind of, it's kind of lame. You know, there's no green, there's no, it's not fun to go outside, it's cold. It's like, it's cold outside as this baptismal is when I try to (laughs) baptize somebody. But you think about all those different things and you're like, man, that's just not good. Now, when's the last time you were, you know, at a house and you're like, I don't even want to be with that person. And that pain right there, like that's real. It's almost like, it's almost like you can calculate it. It's so real. It's almost like you can feel it. Or maybe you're, you don't want to be with somebody at Christmas because the last time you were with them, you were in the presence of somebody whom you loved who has passed away. I mean, I just don't, I don't even know if I can be with them because every time I see them, I think of, the person I lost. All that pain that is just real, it's brokenness. It's severed relationships. It's not the way it was supposed to be. It's when you and your child or you and your uh, sibling or you and your parent don't talk anymore, but then once a year you get back together and you act like nothing happened. Because it's easier not to talk about it than it is to actually deal with the issues. But it's in that brokenness between us and those around us that we don't have a relationship with anymore. It's in that, that middle stuff, all that mess, that junk that we don't want to talk about. That's exactly where Jesus came. When our relationship with God the Father was broken, it's in that brokenness that Christ comes into Emmanuel, our God with us. He's with us in that mess. And in the midst of that mess, he sees everything about us, all of our struggles and all of the difficulties of our relationships and the pains of our relationships. And he still saw it fit to come and to fix, to restore, to heal. And so I want to talk this morning about what it looks like to be restored back to the Father to have a relationship that is restored. Now, you may be sitting there like, Matt, I don't even need to know about this. This is Christmas season. Let's get through this thing. I'm here because it's church. We do church at Christmas. 
right? If you're here today thinking that right now, I want, I want to just ask you a question. Have you experienced brokenness this year? Have you had hurt? Have you experienced grieving or pain this year? And if so, my guess is someone tried to convince you of how you can get out of it. They tried to tell you how you can get out. In fact, I think the church is guilty of this. I think the church has probably even told you how I can get out of it. But if we're real and we're honest, there's some things you're not going to get out of. There are people in this room whom I love who have lost people who they loved deeply. You're not getting out of that. That grieving is real. That pain is real. Right? Like, it's not like somebody can just come up to you and be like, just get over it. That doesn't work. That's not how we counsel. It's not biblical soul care. It's not what we do. And it's not what Jesus did. He didn't say, just get over earth. Just figure it out. Just escape. He came into the middle of it. And so if you're here today and you're like, man, I am broken and I'm here because somebody made me or I feel like I need to go or all those different things or I don't even know if this is really going to be applicable to me. I just want to want you I want to ask you a, a question real quick. Is there something you're dealing with today that you're probably not going to be able to escape a physical pain, an emotional pain, a reality of this broken world that you would like for the God of the universe who has all power and authority and all good things and stability in in him. He can protect you and provide for you in ways that nothing else in this world can. Would you like for him to walk with you? If so, would you journey with me through this? Because I want to show you a truth and then invite you to join into that truth. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. It says, Then the man and his wife heard. They heard it, y'all. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. What does that sound like? What does it sound like for God to be walking in the garden? Crunching on leaves? Did the leaves fall off the trees in the garden? Was it walking on soft ground? Was it muddy because there were streams everywhere? I don't know, but here's what I want you to know, what it sounds like when God's walking with you. I know the sound of my phone buzzing. Anybody else? That's weird, by the way. How do we know what it sounds like when our phones buzz? I do. I know what it sounds like on a table, on my lap, on a chair. That's starting to sound like Dr. Seuss. (laughs) I know what it sounds like everywhere. Are y'all with me? Or am I just crazy? You're like, hey, that was my phone. And then somebody has the same phone as you, maybe a year before, and you're like, oh, that was your phone. You're like, it was a buzz. How do you know when it vibrates whose phone it is? It's because we've heard it how many times? Thousands. We can feel it. it like, it's, it's in my pocket right now, and I know when it's buzzed for, like, a text message or an email. <laughs> I can feel the different intricate, whatever that word is, intricacies, there it is, of my phone. Are y'all, are y'all with me on this, or am I crazy? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Do you know the sound of the Lord walking with you? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? What's the experience like? If you don't, I want to invite you into this garden. The sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, but they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden, and so he speaks to them. The next time we see this, they've been kicked out of the garden. 
and uh, they ate from the tree they shouldn't have, uh, and so they kicked out of the garden. Basically, they made a choice that they shouldn't have made. They're kicked out of the garden. And in Leviticus, we see this promise, though. Now, look at this, Leviticus 26, 11 through 13. I will place my residence among you, and I will not reject you. I will walk among you. I will walk among you and be your God. And you will be my people. There's the promise. Now, this has been the promise since the garden, since the fall, since when God walked with them at at the evening breeze, then it stopped and there was no longer God walking with his people. Then there comes the promise that God will again, what? Walk among his people. Now, go with me a little bit forward. John chapter one, verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now we have a promise that God will dwell with us. And now we have the fulfillment in John chapter 1, verse 14. God dwelt among man. You can think about it like this. They heard God walking in the garden, and now they hear God walking in Jerusalem. Because God's presence comes to be with us. But this is the promise, isn't it? Leviticus 26 said what? I will place my residence among you and I'm not going to reject you and I will walk with you. God's promise is that he's going to walk with you. Do y'all believe that God's promise is that he will walk with you? That's what scripture says. Do you believe this? All right, church, do you believe this truth? I need to know this because of this. I think the church has told you for a long time that what you're going to do is escape this place so that you can go find where God is in heaven somewhere so that you can escape earth. That's not scripture, though. What did scripture say? God promised that he's going to walk among who? You. Not the clouds, not the angels. He's promised to walk among you. That changes my mindset. My God wants to be here with me. He wants to be with me in the thick of it. He wants to be with me in the brokenness and the pain. He doesn't just want to get me out of this. He wants to help me through this. My God is with me. So when the whole world tells you that the only way for us to find help and hope and joy and happiness and funny and all the good things of this world is for us to get out of whatever we're in, God says, nope, I'm going to come into what you're in. I'm going to get into the mess of it. And I'm going to help you through it. Y'all, we need a God that will walk through this. Because life isn't easy. Because friendships aren't easy. Because when you get together at Christmas, and there's broken relationships around you, you're not just going to wait till the next day to escape anymore. You're going to find healing in those relationships. You're going to walk through those, not walk away from those. This is what God does. Now, Revelation chapter 21, verse 1 through 4, another promise. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. What if God was like, okay, the garden didn't work. Jesus... They killed him. So let's just get these people out of here because this world just didn't work. He didn't do that, though. But in our minds, that's what we think. Instead, what he did is he promised that even though we have a broken world, he's going to come back to the world, a remade world, no less, a perfected world for sure. 
but he's coming back. So not only did Jesus come, Emmanuel, God with us, but he's coming back. Not we're going out, he's coming back to live with you. Why? Because he chose to live with you, because he loves you, because he wants to be with you, because he chose this earth as his dwelling place for eternity in Revelation chapter 21. And he's going to live here forever and walk among you yet again. You know, oftentimes in broken relationships, we count up all the bad things. We look at everything that bad that goes on and we put it all in one bucket. You know what I'm talking about? It's like you're carrying around a backpack full of resentment towards somebody. And every time you see them, you're like, hold on, let me open up that backpack real quick. <laughs> you pull out some things out of there and you're like, bam! You remember this, Johnny? This is Uncle Mike, or Uncle, sorry if you're Mike. This is Uncle Steve, John, whoever you don't have. This is that uncle that at the Christmas Eve party, his wife was like, don't say anything about Billy. And the first thing Mike did was what? Hey, Billy, let's talk about this. <laughs> and you're like, dude, you weren't supposed to say anything about this. Now, here's the problem with it. The problem is not that we talk about it. Here's what, here's what the problem is. What we're good at as people, just human beings in general, is we take all that stuff, we pack it back in that backpack, we put that backpack on, and we're like, I'm going to carry this with me. And when you're ready, I'm going to pull it out like a samurai sword and bam. And so we take all that stuff with us to fight, right? Here's what we do. We use bad things to attack people. We use bad things against each other. Here's what Jesus did. He saw everything we did wrong. Me, you, everybody around here. Look, y'all, there are a lot of sinners in this room. There are a lot of mistakes. There's a lot of pain, hurt, bad decisions. We have hurt some people in this room. That's the reality of the church. If the world's like, man, the church is broken, we're like, yes, we are. And what happens is we take all that stuff and we pack it all into one backpack, put it on ourselves, and we throw it out at others. Here's what Jesus did. He packs it all together, looks at it all, all of our pain and problems and stuff that we normally take out on each other, he takes it out on himself. This is the gospel. That rather than him holding that against you, he takes it upon himself. So now he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God, 2 Corinthians 5. Now we have been freed, forgiven. We are the righteousness of God because of nothing that we did, but because of everything he did. You, you remember, like, he is the God who forgives. And here, listen to the words of Jesus. Luke chapter 5, verse 20, to the paralytic, he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Y'all remember that, right? To the paralytic who cannot walk, cannot walk, right? Now, I don't know if this is the para, a parallel happening here, but I, I, want, I would like to know one day, I want to talk to Luke in heaven if we have that opportunity. I want to ask him this question. Luke, were you making the similarity between walking? Because the man who couldn't physically walk is not given phys the ability to physically walk by Jesus at first. Instead, he gives him the ability to spiritually walk. And I'm like, like, looking at what God's doing, he is showing the Pharisees and Sadducees around them, this is what I'm doing. I'm helping the people to walk again. Genesis, walk among your God. Leviticus, I'm going to walk among you. Uh, John 1, I'm going to dwell with you in your presence physically. Jesus walks among them. Revelation 21, I'm coming back. I'm going to dwell with you yet again. My residence is going to be among you. Like he's going to live with us. 
And he says to this man who cannot walk, he says, your sins are forgiven, which means that now he can be in the presence of God forever. And then he gives him the ability to physically walk. I think what Jesus is doing here is he's showing us that forgiveness leads to relationship. It's Christmas. We're celebrating Jesus coming to us. Make sure that you remember that he is still with you today because you've been forgiven. He didn't leave and go somewhere and depart from you and he's never with you again. He's coming back. He came and he's coming back and it's the truth of scripture. Now look at this. Oftentimes in your broken relationships, don't you, I've done this a lot. You know, it's late at night and you're like, how can I restore this relationship? How can I figure this thing out? Maybe a coworker or a friend or a family member, you're like, maybe if I do this, I can, I can fix this thing. Y'all ever done that late at night? Or some of the simple ways of doing this is, well, this is what they did. They need to do this. You know what I'm talking about? You like start thinking the things they need to do instead of you need to do. The beauty of the gospel is this. Jesus saw what needed to be done and he did it. He saw everything you did and he took it upon himself. He saw everything he needed to do and he did it. You know, people ask me what the, what the gospel is, the simplicity of the gospel. I think it's this. We didn't do it, and he did do it. And then what we did do, he didn't do. Everything we were supposed to do, he did. Everything we weren't supposed to do, he didn't do. He was perfect, and yet he took upon himself our imperfection. He forgives you, and he restores a relationship with the Father for you. Like in him's everything. He's all we've got. Now, if that's true, though, 2 Corinthians 5, 18, everything is from God who has reconciled us to him through Christ. We've been reconciled to the Father through Christ. If that is true, and we've been brought back to the Father, forgiven, and we have a new relationship, and everything he did was so that we can do everything we should have done, and all that stuff is true, let me ask you this. Have you ever had a friend who is of high influence, or great wealth, or maybe extreme power? You've got somebody who's like a general in an army, or maybe a governor, or president, or maybe an influential businessman, or sports figure. Like, you know Lamar Jackson by, like, first name or, like, nickname. Or maybe you know, like, a president by first name. You know, I'm not talking about when you, like, have to come up to somebody and you're like, hello, Dr. You know, Mitchell, my name is, and he's like, yeah, I forgot your name. Can you help me out? I'm talking about you know somebody by that first name basis. And this is that person where when they tweet out, they change the stock market. You know, like they have that much power. Have you ever known somebody like that? If you have known somebody like that, you know that they have the power to transform somebody's life in a moment. These are the stories of like somebody who knew somebody and then all of a sudden they just paid off their entire mortgage and like that. It's like Lamar Jackson just comes to you and they're like, hey, I got your mortgage. You're like, what? You know, it changes your life. This is the person that has the, the potential to change your life and they know you. And you know them. You know them by first name basis. Like they could change you like that. Your whole world could flip. 
Your family could be changed. They could, they could, uh, they could, you may be a young businesswoman. You're like just fresh out of college. And all of a sudden some rich businessman comes to you and he's like, hey, I got three businesses. They're all thriving. I want you to be over them. Like what? That just changed my whole life. There is no businessman, no sports figure, no political leader who has the power and protection and provision of your God. And he is your God. He's not a God. He's not some created God. He's not some false God. He's your God. And he walks with you. Now think about that for a moment. If you were best friends with a president or best friends with a sports figure, what could they do to change your life? Or a businessman, you're like, man, if I just knew somebody who had the power to change my situation. Brothers and sisters, you know God. No, not only do you just know him, look at this verse. It says, I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. I am the Lord your God. Now that word Lord there, capital L-O-R-D, is Yahweh. Here's what he's saying. You know me by name. I am Yahweh, your God. You know me by name. And then he says, who brought you out of the land of Egypt? You know me by what I've done for you. You know God by his name and what he has done for you. This Christmas season, you know God by his name. What can this world give you? What does this girl, world have in any way that is in any way com comparative to what God can give you. And yet, what are we going to do? We're going to look at lights that are cool. We're going to see decorations. We're going to go to festivities and parties. We're going to get crazy amounts of gifts. And we're going to eat a lot of food. Christmas, it's what we do. But what if we looked at what God gives us, not what the world gives us? Because I think that if you had someone of that great influence and that great power and wealth, you would look at them and you'd go, thank you for what you have given me. You've changed my life. I don't have a mortgage anymore. Are you kidding me? I have three businesses that are thriving, making millions of dollars. Are you kidding me? You've, put, you've made me governor over this huge, vast area where my decisions impact millions of people. Are you kidding me? I have that kind of power because of what you've given me? He is your God. He can give you way more than this world can. So what are we looking at? This Christmas season, what are you looking at? He says, I will place my residence among you. When we celebrate Christmas, we're not celebrating just that Jesus was born. We're celebrating that Jesus is here. He's in you right now. He's working in your life. And he's coming back physically to dwell with us for eternity. So when I look at this passage, you know, it says, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt so that you would no longer be their slaves. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to live in freedom. Now notice this. We're talking about after he got them out of Egypt. Now, while they were in Egypt and they were slaves, where did Jesus or where did Father find them? In slavery, in Egypt. So this morning, remember, if you find yourself broken, hurting, you feel like there's no hope and you're grieving, that's where God finds people. He finds them in their brokenness. 
He goes to them in their slavery. He goes to them when they're paralyzed, when they're deaf, when they are uh, insane and they can't think accurately. That's where God finds people. In fact, he actually runs from the people that think they have it all together because they're trying to kill him. He's wanting to find you in the valley, not on the mountaintops. It's only when we recognize that, look, I can't do this. I need some help. Somebody come help me. I am desperate for help. That's where God finds us. Finds us in the valleys. Psalm 23. I'm in the valleys. The enemy's around me. They're tempting me. I need help. That's where God finds you. So this Christmas season, what we're going to do, I'm serious. Here's what many, many Americans and probably Christians are going to do. For like two days, it's going to look like you're living in the mountaintops. And then we're going to go straight back to the valley. Because we're going to put on our best faces and our best church clothes. I need that Sunday's best, right? We're going to come in to either a Christmas Eve service or to your family party. And everything's going to be put together and nobody's going to talk about all the bad junk of the family. You know what I'm talking about. But Jesus doesn't care about those looks. What he wants to see you in is the real you. The real pain, the real struggles, the real heartache, the real temptation, the real struggle with sin that's going on. That's where he finds you. Because he loves you. I'm the Lord your God. He know, you know him by name who found you in Egypt. God found them in slavery. What kind of God picks somebody who's like, he's like, okay, let's go to the world and let's find somebody I'm going to use. You would think that they were going to choose like the kings and the queens, the warriors, the rich, the famous. And he's like, nope, I want my nation that's right now a slave. That's who I'm going to use. That's our God. So you may be in here today and you're like, I, I'm not that good, Matt. There's nothing in me that is good. I, I can't even be used by God. No, just wait. Because my God's the God who finds people in slavery to sin, finds him, them in poverty, finds them in desperation and grieving and hurting, loss, depressed, anxious. That's where he finds people. And he restores them. So my challenge to you this morning is this, walk with God. Would you walk with God? Now, this is like the garden walking. This is the mountaintop walking. This is the valley walking. These are those who feel like they're walking in the garden like things, man, you're like, man, Matt, things are really good. Here's my challenge to you. Just don't eat that fruit. Be careful because we need you. We need those of you out there right now who are like, Matt, things are great. I'm just hitting it on all cylinders. Life is going really well. I feel like I'm in that garden. Or maybe you're like, I'm on that mountaintop, man. It's even like I'm in an experience of I feel like I am doing so good. I'm over a lot of things. I am uh, finding victory in a lot of things. And I just feel good. I don't really even need any help. I'm on the mountaintop. Look, we need you there supporting those in the valley, pulling them up, lifting them up. But we also need you to take a step down. We need you to walk with God and God's walking in the valley. We need you to come down into the valley and help us out because some of us are down there in the valley going, hey, I need a little help down here. So here's what that looks. Have you ever been to a uh, uh, like hiking trail? 
on a mountain. It's really neat. You're walking and there's like bushes and huge grass everywhere, but then tall trees. Uh, and then there's a stream and it's just, it's unbelievable. It's beautiful. But right through that, those woods is a path because so many people have walked along that path. They've trampled the ground down and you no longer see the green, you only see the brown earth. You see the dirt. There are many people who have walked before you through this pain, through losing someone you love, through a diagnosis, through a broken friendship, through a loss of job. People have been walking those paths along the valley, past enemies, past temptation, past frustrations and grieving, past wanting to quit and give up. All of those things, people have been walking along and there's a path carved out in there. The crazy thing about the gospel is Jesus is on that path and he's walking with you. So I want to challenge you this morning, find your path, walk that path, take your next step, all of those different things. I want you to find that path that you're on and know that Jesus is with you. But here's what I want you to be really careful of, that you don't believe, which I think the church might have participated in this, that the only way out is to escape. Sometimes the way out or the right way is through the wilderness not to just get out. I will, can I just be honest with y'all for a second? I know this isn't actually that real, but sometimes I tell you all my fears that are just like weird fears. This is, I'm just being honest with you right now. I, when I go running, I ran at 4.30 yesterday morning and I, it's dark. It's so, so ridiculous. It's so dark though that sometimes it's, I can't see in front of me. Have y'all ever been in that situation? You can't, I can't see anything in front of me. And I'm like, what, what's in front of me? <laughs> you know, what actually is out there? Because I'm out in New Windsor and it's just dark. You're like, uh, I don't know what's in front of me. This is pretty scary. So, I mean, real talk, sometimes I'm just running and I don't know what's in, I literally just, just keep going and it feels like you're not going anywhere. It's the weirdest feeling. And then I think like, this was such a good teaching moment for me. I'm running into the darkness and I'm like, wait a minute. I don't have to see where I'm going if I know who's with me. But we want so bad to see what's in front of us and to know that, you know, we want to see that whole path out in front of us, but it's dark. What if you knew that somebody was with you who saw everything in front of you, even when you can't? Who could see the darkness and chose the darkness? Who could run before you, behind you, protect you in it? Wouldn't you be thankful to know that somebody was walking with you through the valley that you're facing today? Well, the promise of the gospel is this. He is. He is walking with you. You're not alone. So as the band comes forward, I want to challenge you, and as you think about heaven, as you think about what God is doing, remember this. Jesus came and he's coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to be here with you forever. And he's going to walk with you. But not only that, 
He's walking with you right now. You're not alone. And if you feel alone today, remember, when we sing these songs, when we say Merry Christmas, what we mean is Jesus is with you and he's not going to leave you. So I'm going to pray for you. Father, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity to be here to study your word. I pray, God, that you would walk among us, that you would place your dwelling place here, that you would teach us what it means to know you by name, Yahweh, what it means to know you by your works and how you've delivered us from sin. Would you teach us again what it means to know that you are our God and we are your people, how to walk in the garden and hear you walking with us and not hear the busyness of this world? Would you show us your provisions, your protection, and your presence this Christmas? Would you help us to distinguish between you and this world? Would you help us to delight in the good things of you and not the things of this world? And I pray, Father, that you would declutter our hearts from the busyness and the Santa and the Christmas decorations and all those things so that we might see clearly how you are walking with us. So, Father, we love you and praise you in your son's name. Amen. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.